Well, Razorback fans, you want to know what was wrong with the secondary last year? Well, it's starting to seem pretty evident. So let's talk about it on today's Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks Podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. When you bet on Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets back every time they win in the regular season. Head over to fanduel.com slash locked on. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday, as this may end up being a much a shorter podcast, but uh, trying to put some things together, and I think that there's a lot of fascinating things that are going on in the sports world that we can at least dive into for Razorback purposes, but we talk about communications with the secondary and how that has been something that's been hammered upon and uh, and everything, which is great. You know, it, It's something that they've needed to work on for a while, and when Marcus Woodson and Travis Williams came in, they talked about, oh, just communication. I was back in the spring. Communication. Communication is important. It's like, oh, okay, communication. That's great. And then uh, it starts going through. It's like, all right, so communication. Now let's, what about the scheme? What about the, you know, the things that the secondary needed to work on that was so bad last year? Was it their, you know, was it their backpedaling? Was it their footwork? Was it their uh, break to the ball? Like, what, what, angles? What, 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 let's hear what you've been improving on and what's been the problem with this team. And then later it's like, Communication. Communication. That's what we've really been focusing on. Okay. All right. Well, that's worked. That works. Um, all right. Communication. And then you start hearing about, well, communication and then coming together as a cohesive unit. Coming together as a team. Coming together. Being on the same page. Okay, great. Great. That's that's very important. And you have to be there. But what about scheme? What about what why, why was this defense so bad? You couldn't you tell me it was just communication? Surely it wasn't that. Well, I'll tell you what, Marcus Woodson was able to talk with the media and he mentioned communication once again. You know, that's the main thing for us. We want to play clean, Razorback football. And, you know, 10 guys can be playing the same call and one guy get the wrong call. And, and it's a, a breakdown in a defense on the back end. And as you know, we can't have any breakdowns because when something bad happens on the back end, we're the last level of defense and everybody in the stadium knows it. So at the end of the day, if we continue to communicate, we can fix the physical piece of it. But the mental piece and the communication is something that they have to take ownership in and be on the same page. And I'm confident that as long as we continue to improve our communication, uh, execute the defense and do your job within the defense, we can play with anybody in the country. Uh, so I'm just excited to see, you know, the steps that we must take moving forward. Again, it's a lot of work that still has to be done up until September 2nd. Uh, the communication is the first piece. And just continuing to be disciplined to do your job with the right technique and making sure your eyes are in the right spot. You know, so communication and eye discipline, those are the biggest two things for me that I want to see as a coach improve with the group. Communication. Communication. Coming together as a cohesive unit. Keep hearing it over and over and over and over again. Now, when I first heard this back in the spring about communication and everything, it's it's kind of just like, okay, coach speak, whatever. But 
the more I started looking into it and thinking about it and, and hearing from what this coaching staff, especially Marcus Woodson, especially those on the defense, have been saying about this team and what they've been lacking and then the confidence that they have and what they'd be able to bring, I think basing it on logical deduction, we can see exactly what the issue is and has been and what it was last year. You didn't have a cohesive unit. You had a unit that was unable to talk, to communicate, to know where everyone was supposed to be at, to have leadership, to have uh, an ability to you know get after it in the ways of you know being aggressive, but also playing very fundamentally sound football. Like you had all of those guys last season that seemed to be on completely and totally different pages. And when a coaching staff that comes in like Marcus Woodson, who's been around, he's at Florida State, we know he's very successful there, uh, everything to go along with, it's like, you know, maybe that was just the problem. Maybe it was as simple as communication. Maybe it was as simple as just talking to one another and, you know, trying to get everybody on uh, on the same spot or at least on the right spot when they're lining up. Like, maybe it's as simple as that. And if it is as simple as that, then that's like you look at it two ways. You can look at it two ways. Actually, there's like multiple ways, but here's how I look at it. You can look at it as bad coaching from last season, which could be a possibility of just not having everybody on the right at the right spots and and everything. Or you could look at it as uh, a bunch of players that may have fallen under that issue of. Uh, having a culture that was bad or the locker room being split. They could have had a few people falling underneath that. And then that led to the issues that ended up being uh, more devastating. So it depends on how you look at it. I'm going to look at it as this, because again, it's always about the optimistic look until it's not. But you have, you have a group of new players that have come in with a few old players coming in. And you have a coaching staff that's just been hammering the fact of communication and growing while also saying that if they do these things, there's no reason why they can't be one of the more elite secondaries in the country. You know, that could be a little bit of a you know exaggeration, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason why it can't be better, that it can't be great, that it can't be much more than just improved, but actually legitimate. And if that's all it takes, if that's all it is, it's just a little adjustments here and there when it comes to just, hey, be over there. Hey, do this. Hey, this guy over here, this, this, this. If that's all it takes for this team to go from being god-awful to actually decent, then I think we're all going to be in store for a really great, much more improved and exciting type of defense. Now, a lot of it's probably coach speak. Just being honest. Not to say that communication and growing together is not important, but if you think about how bad the defensive secondary was last year when you had three dudes at cornerback, at least, that were really good, or at least good. Like, you had Nudie, who was good. Dwight McGothern. You had Hudson Clark, who was good. You had Quincy McAdoo, who was good. I know he's not playing this year, more than likely, but you had three dudes that were good. Yet the secondary was as awful as it was. It was. Like, Hudson Clark was on, on USA Today's all-conference team, first team. Brian McLaughlin's a preseason, same thing, second teamer, third teamer, something like that. Like you shouldn't have that if you were so if you were that bad last year. I think it was a safety problem. I think it was a communication problem. 
And I think that those problems are being addressed right now. So that gave me a lot of hope and a lot of extra optimism for the secondary, especially defensively, to be so much better for what it's worth. I like hearing that. And I think Marcus Woodson, if you watch the rest of the press conference, he's really good. I like what he says. I like how he said it. And I like the things that he went along with it, too. So I can't wait for the season to get started. I can't wait to see how much improved this team is going to be, especially in the secondary. Folks, football season is right around the corner. It's about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time they win during the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more to choose from. So check it out today, FanDuel.com slash on and start entering in bonus bets with the America's number one sportsbook, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so continuing on with the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, this is actually a question that was thrown my way of uh, just specifically about over-unders. You know, we just talked about that with FanDuel. Over-unders. And if I believe that'll happen or not happen, and it really comes down to individual players, and in this particular case for the Razorback football team. And it was a simple question that was about offense. And it was about, are you, would you think that KJ Jefferson throws for over 3,000 yards, or do you think Rocket Sanders gets over 2,000 all purpose yards? Now, that's the key with Rocket Sanders not 2,000 yards just rushing, but 2,000 yards. All purpose. And at first I thought it was an easy answer, but then I started thinking about it more. And you know what? It might be more difficult than we even realize. So let's just look at it from last season, okay? So we get an idea of context. Last year, KJ Jefferson threw for 2,648 yards. He didn't play in one full game against Mississippi State. He was not healthy against Liberty. So Take that for whatever it's worth, but his average on the like per game was I mean, just looking at it that way. He probably would have gotten to three thousand yards, or at least close to it, if he had actually been healthy and played in all the games. So take that for what it is. And then Rocket Sanders rushed for one thousand four hundred and forty-three yards, and he also caught out of the backfield twenty-eight passes for two hundred seventy-one yards. So if you combine those together, doing the math in my head. Talking about uh, over 1,700 yards all-purpose, at least with rushing and receiving, because I don't think he'll be doing anything else. He's not going to do a kick return or anything like that. At least he shouldn't. So last season, he was about 300 or so yards, 250, 300 yards short of 2,000, and KJ was about 300 yards or so short of 3,000. So which is more likely? Which is more likely for uh, KJ to, to get to that 3K or for Rocket to get to 2K? Now. You got to think about the offense and what's been put into place. You got to think about Danny knows. You got to think about what he does and how he does it. And you know, I think everybody's on board with thinking that the offense is going to be good to great, maybe even better than last year, maybe more efficient. I think that may be the most important way of putting it more efficient than what it was last year. Really good chance of that. So between those two, then I was going to go KJ because I was like, okay, 3000 yards. You know, that's what Brandon Allen did under Enos and, Arsenal's had a few of those guys and all that, but 
I think 3,000 yards is within the realm of possibility. But then when I started thinking about it more, I think I decided on Rocket. On Rocket getting 2,000 all-purpose yards. And here's why. It's not, it's not a knock against KJ. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if KJ got 3,000 yards. And who knows, maybe I'll even predict it when it all comes to fruition. It's depending on how it goes. But the only thing about KJ that makes me a little bit more suspect on if that happens or not is just because you have new wide receivers, you have tight ends, like they're going to get worked into the mix. Um, health, for sure, can always come into it because, like we talked about, quarterbacks get hurt, have to come out of games, and second strings have to come in. It's absolutely possible. So, overall, KJ may be the, you know, the betting favorite, but I think with Rocket, I think Rocket's going to have, and again, this all stems on health, but I think Rocket's going to have at least 1,400 yards again this season. I really do. I think the competition Arkansas is going to go up against, and a few of these games may you know, fluctuate those numbers especially. I think that he's going to be relied upon, and the way that he's gotten bigger and faster and stronger, uh, he's going to have a phenomenal year. So I think he goes for over 1,400 yards once again, but I think he increases his production out of the backfield in the passing game because that is going to be what's helpful to KJ. It's almost like a little uh, safety net, if you will. And Rocket, who, of course, played wide receiver in high school, has great hands and is able to catch the ball out of the backfield and make some plays there, too. So I think, I think I'm going to go with Rocket. I think 2,000 yards for Rocket is what, it, what, what it's going to be, and it's going to be better. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are looking at me crazy and probably yelling at me and throwing things at me, but how about this? How about this? We'll, we'll come, to this uh, come to this conclusion. How about both? How about that? How about uh, KJ goes for over 3,000 yards and Rocket goes for over 2,000 all-purpose yards and we all just sing and make melody in our hearts of celebration. Because if that happens, if, if KJ goes for over 3,000 passing yards and then Rocket gets over 2,000 yards all-purpose, Arkansas is winning nine games. Like if both of those things happen, they're winning nine games. It's about making sure you don't make the mistakes to go along with it. But I just need football season to be here, man. These questions, like I love them and I appreciate them, but I'm like, just give me something to look at so I can actually just check it out myself instead of just guessing at it all the time. Either way. We're going to talk about some non-Razorback related, but still something that's quite humorous to me. And this is the whole blindside song. You won't want to miss it. So you better stay tuned here on Out of Bounds. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. And I just realized that when I was cutting it to the commercial break, I called it Out of Bounds in the previous segment. I think that may be the first time I've ever done that. That's my show, not the podcast. Doing both each and every day kind of blends together. So just ignore that. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but I wanted to bring up this story because I find it kind of crazy. For those of you who may not have been following around uh, with this Michael Orr and the, the Tui story from Blindside. First off, I hated the Blindside movie. It was the most overrated movie of all time. The only reason anybody liked it or thought it was good, at least in my opinion, or like whatever I freaked out about is the performance of Sandra Bullock, which she was awesome in it. She was great. She was, did a great job with that. And that's why she's one of the best. But you take her out of it. I'm like, this is just a very cheesy story to me. If you love it, that's fine. I thought it was dumb. I thought it was a, I thought it was a very overrated, fine movie. I shouldn't say it's terrible. It's fine. But it wasn't as much as everybody tried to make it out to be. But anyways, uh, for those you don't know, it's about Michael Orr, who is come on to an offensive lineman at Ole Miss that was all American and uh, he didn't have he had a really terrible uh, family background and his family in Mississippi the Tuies found him took him in had conservatorship over him and ended up trying to put him in a in a great spot to make him you know give him a house give him everything that he needed to succeed and then go to Ole Miss blah 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 
But now it's become such a, a, a nasty thing where uh, Michael Orr has alleged that the Tuies have been holding out on him, that they he's not that they've been making money off of him and he didn't get anything out of the movie and they've been collecting all the money from it, which if that's the case, it's pretty awful. But basically what it was is that uh, there was attorneys that were, it was a petition that was filed in the state of uh, Tennessee from Michael Orr that said that the Tuies misled Michael into a conservatorship and gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. And he got no proceeds from the 2009 film. And then the uh, Tuies uh, attorneys fire back and say that the idea that they ever the that the family ever sought to profit off Mr. Orr is not only offensive but is a transparently ridiculous. Okay, whatever. Um, says attorney Martin Zinger, blah blah blah, threatened to go uh, that Orr threatened to go public if the Tuies paid didn't pay him fifteen million dollars. He wanted fifteen million dollars that would he would have gone public with a nasty story. Uh, he didn't address the allegation of that, but. Neither of them have been responded for interview requests, really. And yet, uh, the conservatorship, I guess, was because they needed to do that in order to help him get to Ole Miss. That way, because they were, since they were a booster of Ole Miss, it wouldn't look like that they were paying for him to, like, as a booster, like the NCAA. Apparently, there's a lot of stuff that's going around there, but that was back in 2004 when they applied for conservatorship and he got it. And then it's kind of gone on where, of course, they made a bunch of money. Tuies have made a lot of money. They've done foundations and things like that, too. And it says the family didn't seek adoption instead of, or, uh, they didn't seek an adoption, but they instead seek conservatorship because they couldn't adopt someone over the age of 18. The only thing they could do was conservatorship. And we were so concerned, it was on the up and up, that we made sure a biological mother came to court. And it says, how much did the Tuies make from the film? Uh, all the Tuies, plus the kids and everything, had $25,000 each, plus 2.5% of the film's defined net proceeds. Oher's, uh, petition, Oher's petition says he's received no money. It says, we didn't make any... Uh, and then you had Sean Tuie, the dad, said, we didn't make any money off the movie. Well, Michael Lewis gave us half of his share. Everyone else in the family got an equal share, including Michael. It was about $14,000 each. We're never offered any money. We never asked for any money. See, these are the things where I'm like, man, I don't know. You're telling me you had a feature-length film made by you that was, like, was going to be big that Sandra Bullock was going to play in? And you're telling me you just received each $14,000? I have a hard time believing that. But anyways, it continues on to where you had a few of the other, you know, going back and forth. And it's just like a he said, she said thing. That's that's basically where it's at. But it looks like uh, they're saying that Michael Orr has been extorting him and threatening him. And then you have two E's and saying, and, or that you had the two E's saying that Michael Orr has been threatening him and extorting him. And then you have Michael Orr is just saying, I just want what's mine. But I did. This is the one thing. And I know people probably already turned off the podcast. They don't care about this, but I'm not finding it fascinating. So here's the thing. Like I looked at it, I was like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. The attorney for the Tui said that if Michael wants, cons- the family says that if Michael wants conservatorship now or in the future, he is more than welcome to have it and they will give it to him. And, I, and it's, just, it's just right there. I'm like, wait a minute. Y'all still have conservatorship over him? He's 37 years old. Why do y'all have conservatorship over him still? Like, why would you not give that up or hand it over? That's the thing that bothers me. I'm like, 
there's just a lot of weird stuff in there. But anyways, I won't bore you anymore with it. I got to run. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter, Buzz John Neighbors, for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.